welcome to All About the Benefits, the podcast that uncovers the power of unearthing your inner superpowers. We're here to explore the incredible benefits that come from digging deep within ourselves. Join us on the journey of unlocking your true potential. We'll uncover the hidden strengths and untapped abilities that lie within each and every one of us. Whether you're seeking personal growth or looking to make a lasting impact on the world, this podcast is your guide to unleashing your inner superhero. Get ready to embark on a journey of self-discovery, empowerment, and limitless possibilities. Welcome to All About the Benefits. Here's your host, Lori Jewett. All right, you guys, welcome back. Thank you for tuning in again. I appreciate you each and every week. Um, Today, I'm super excited and I'm going to butcher another name, even though I've been like practicing it in my head the whole time. I am joined today with Angel Uribe. Did I say it right? Close, yeah. (laughs) Yeah, real close. My my brain wants to do those Spanish rolling R's, but (laughs) Angel is an alcohol moderation coach with mindful drinking for balanced living. Say that three times fast. (laughs) But I'm super excited to have you. And we just, before we, we should have hit record earlier because we were just having a great conversation. I am super excited to have you. Tell us a little bit about you and what you do. Hi. Well, well thank you so much for having me. I'm super excited to be here. And you're right. We just kind of launched right into uh, a really like open, fun dialogue. So this is, is even more exciting now as we begin. My name is Angel Uribe and um, I am an alcohol moderation coach. I have had a business um, for the past 12 years that's called Stages of Change Center. And my primary work in that regard was working with individuals who had a first time violation in the system, requiring them to do an assessment and possibly some early intervention education-based programming. And when I started 12 years ago, I didn't really put together the the fact that I was actually operating as an alcohol moderation coach because I had moved out of that traditional intervention, which is typically treatment programming. And so that has been my business for the past 12 years. But I recently launched Mindful Drinking for Balanced Living to essentially climb upstream even a little bit more and start talking to people and hopefully inspiring people to start exploring their relationship with alcohol before behaviors start happening that lead to legal consequence or relational consequence or things like that. So I have over 23 years in the chemical and behavioral health field. And I know that dates me just a little bit, but um, my work collectively for the past 12 years has been more in looking for ways to go uphill a little bit and try to meet people in places where there's still an option or an opportunity to self-correct around their mm-hmm. relationship with mood altering chemicals, specifically alcohol, and hopefully address risk patterns and, and risk motivations that are contributing to their relationship with alcohol becoming unhealthy before they start to lose things of significance in their life. I absolutely love that. One of the conversations we were having is that um, before we hit record is that my podcast guests are coming to me for a reason. Everybody on this podcast knows I fully believe in God and God brings people to me. It happens for a reason. I'm going to tell a really quick story and then we'll kind of, because I want you to hear it. Everybody on here has heard it before, but (laughs) two years and 14 days ago, my husband and I decided to do 75 hard for the first time. Yesterday, we finished it for the third time. (laughs) So today is milkshake date day. I'm super excited. After this, we're going to get milkshakes. But 
Our main reason for that was because we were the people that were like, oh, we're not alcoholics, but we would come home. One of us would start dinner and one of us would start drinks every night. And I don't mean like a drink or two. I mean, we would, you know, have a lot of drinks. We had a very stressful career and we told ourselves it was okay, right? Like our subconscious was like, oh, it's fine. You work really hard, so you deserve it, which is not true. (laughs) You deserve things, but not to, you know, drink it away. But when we started 75 hard, it was kind of entertaining how many people nowadays, it wasn't at the time, but how many people were like, oh, you guys are not going to be able to go without alcohol. You're going to be miserable. You're going to fail on day one. That was the easiest part for us. When we finished that first 75 days, we never went back. Occasionally now on date night, like today's date day. No, I'm an, I'm going for milkshake instead of a drink. Definitely milkshakes. I've been stuck on milkshakes for like three weeks since the new milkshake place opened here. But mm. <laughs> um, anyway, we we went back. We never went back to that habit. And because that's exactly what it was. It was, I mean, a habit. We came home and that's just what we did. One started dinner, one iced the cups. It was life. And 75 Hard literally changed that for us and changed our entire relationship with alcohol. Yes. And so I'm, I'm it, it's just funny whenever you were talking about that, that's all I could think of is, oh, you are here for a reason. Um, <laughs> and I mean, we, we went from, I would say a lot a night to maybe after that, we would maybe have like a drink a month mm-hmm. dinner. Mm-hmm. And the first time we had drinks after we finished 75 hard, the first time we had maybe, I don't know if you're familiar with it, but one of the things is you can't drink at all. No alcohol whatsoever. Right. And no sweets, which is where the milkshakes come in. We it just completely changed our relationship with alcohol. And that was huge. That's not even really why we did it. We just knew we needed some sort of change in, in our lives. And so we're like, oh, everybody else is doing it. Yeah. So I think it's important. The conversations you're having and the need you're feeling is huge. Yeah. I, and I'm finding that. And it's and part of this new program that I'm creating came out of the fact that I would be in professional settings. And the moment I would disclose to people that I was an alcohol and drug counselor or that, you know, the kind of work that I did, I would be just consistently, you know, talked to about, you know, I, you know, I needed to take a look at my relationship with alcohol because X, Y, Z, or, you know, I have a friend that I think could really use your support or, you know, just a lot of that. And it was just, there was no shortage of it. And so I started thinking about, because my original, my career started as a probation and parole officer. So I was down at the, you know, the end of the line, trying to pull people who were drowning out of, of the water, so to speak. Right. Mm -hmm. And throughout my career, I have just done a steady walk up, you know, up that hill to try to meet people where they are before they, they hit that, you know, place of near, near total catastrophe in their life or to try to help them rebuild it because life did become so unmanageable. And so the thing that has kind of come in for me over and over again is there was nobody talking to people who were just starting to show some risk areas. And what I also realized was that there was a lot of internal struggle and internal dialogue going on within individuals who on the outside, their life looks really well put together. And for all intents and purposes is successful according mm-hmm. to societal standards, right? And yet these individuals would be struggling with regretful mornings. They'd be struggling with a low energy throughout the day. They're struggling with a declining capacity to experience joy or connection in their relationships. But it wasn't ever, or for these individuals up to that point, it wasn't something that was in their face that they couldn't just 
put aside or even just have an extra drink to forget about at the end of the night. And so as I was kind of exploring this, I realized in the course of those conversations, like we have a lot of interventions and programs for people who have lost things. Life is unmanageable. You know, they need, you know, an intensive uh, amount of support structure and accountability, but we really do not have good options available for people who are just starting to think to themselves, hmm, maybe there's something here, but maybe I don't want to give it up altogether. Is there an option for me to rethink this relationship, to reestablish new boundaries with it, to explore the possibility of actually having alcohol be a fringe item in my life the way that I convince myself that it is, even though my actions say otherwise. And see, that's something that would have helped us. We didn't know it at the time that that's where we were at. My husband and I both, that is absolutely where we were at. Right. And you get, you get to that point where you start telling yourself, oh, I don't have a problem because, you know, if I want to, I don't, I don't need it. Well, it may not have been like, uh, you know, we, we never drank and drove or anything like that. It never may have been that kind of a problem, but it was a problem. It caused a lot of issues in our life mm-hmm. because we didn't drink and drive. We never did anything social. Our poor kid didn't get to go to all the horse shows she wanted to. And now she does doesn't appreciate them the way that she should, but <laughs> she does, she gets whatever she wants as far as like, you know, because, and I think since then there's been like an overcorrection mm. of try of make, you know what I mean? Trying to like make up for that time, which is causing its own problems, but that's neither here nor there. That's a whole nother conversation. I told a friend of mine this morning, I said, Oh, there's a mental health specialist that I'm interviewing in 20 minutes. I should like wipe my tears and pick her brain. I'm kidding. But anyway, the whole moral of it is, is something like that. And someone actually being vocal about that and putting that out there could have had an impact on us way sooner than it did because our relationship with alcohol didn't change overnight. It started with, you know, a drink or two, a couple of nights a week, and then it became a drink or two, three nights a week. And then it became five or six every single night over, you know, a time period. And it wasn't, it literally wasn't overnight. Right. So that's why we didn't realize it. Right. Because that's why it didn't, it progressively got there, I guess is what I'm trying to say. Yes. And, and, and that is the natural thing. I, I talk to my clients all the time about realizing that as humans, we're always trending in a direction. We're either trending in the right direction or we're trending in the wrong direction for our best interest. Right. And so it is because we are creatures of habit and those habits build tolerances over time. And, and that tolerance then changes the how much and the, the when, and all of, you know, all of those things. And, and you, you don't realize it's super insidious if you just don't have the mindfulness of it. But if you really step back and think about it, the whole purpose of having drinks is to pull back from some of that mindfulness of the day or the stresses of the day or the discomforts, diseases, or, you know, over time, the distresses that come with our days, right? And so one of the things is that I think is so important is we have to start changing the dialogue. We have to start inviting the possibility of having conversations that, that allow us to be honest without people having to acknowledge, oh, well, if you're doing it, you know, and it's, and it's growing, you're drinking more over time, then you have a problem. You have to cut it out altogether because what happens is a wall of resistance immediately goes up. Exactly. And we have to, we have to change that dynamic because that is what keeps people in isolation about it. That's what keeps the debate silent within their minds instead of entertaining a conversation that might grow insight or awareness or inspire someone to go, you know, that's true. Maybe I, maybe I could just work on cutting back from the five days I'm doing it now to even three days a week and just see how that goes. But it's that all or nothing mentality that has 
been pervasive in our society for so long that keeps people in, in silence. It keeps their resistance high. And all the while that tolerance is, is growing, their, their commitment to that pattern and that habit is growing. And the side effect of that, I want to go back if it's okay to what you had just Absolutely. talked about with regards to the overcorrection. A lot of times what I tell clients is when you are starting to come out of a pattern and you're recognizing that it had some risk or that it had consequence that maybe just wasn't in your face, but it was there, especially where it mm -hmm. comes to parenting, we, we tend to swing into parenting out of guilt. And what happens is that creates its own set of consequences, right? And so finding your balance back in in drinking isn't the only area that is going to require intentional, mindful, willful action from you. It is also going to be in areas of relationship to, you know, partners and children and community and job and all of those things. And I think that is the, diff the most difficult part for my clients. Sometimes giving up the alcohol is a little bit of a relief in the beginning, mm -hmm. but it's coming to terms with and trying to balance out those relationships and that they have to everyone and everything in their life that they find the most challenging. And that is where I come in and what my program is, is aimed at doing is, you know, this, the, the mindful drinking for balanced living isn't about saying, I have to give this up forever, but it is about saying how, you know, let me take and compartmentalize this. And then do an accurate read on my entire life while I'm supported by someone who is able to, to walk that journey with me and provide tips, tools, and insights to not get into patterns where that overcorrection becomes your new pattern in life and it and it brings on a set of, of consequences of its own. So, you know, mindful drinking for balanced living is more about balanced living than it really is about the mindful drinking. Because when we reach that place in our life where we are living in balance, the drinking often will moderate itself. And that's your, my, my, my wheels are turning because I feel like you definitely were sent me from, to me for a reason, especially today, because I needed this conversation today, because I'm dealing with that teenagers, it's hard to be a teenager. And, yes. you know, I, a friend of mine, I reached out and I'm like, Oh my gosh, I'm going to lose my mind. And I have a call in 20 minutes. And we got on a real quick zoom call. And he, his point was hurt people, hurt people. And teenagers don't have that emotional intelligence to deal with it. And they lash out to the ones that they know that are safe. And I'm like, I don't know that it's safe right now, but okay, I'll be that safe space. Then that's exactly what's happened. Because the funny thing is the things she's upset about are the overcorrections. Mm. we've got her to the point where, oh, well, we did so many things so wrong for mm. all those years that now we're just like, she, she has all the things that, you know, mm. she could want or need. And so we're dealing with that. And it's that balance is the part that we were missing that I don't think I realized until about 45 seconds ago that we were missing. Yes. So yes. it's awesome yes. that you are, you know, you're, you're putting this out there in the world because it's something that doesn't get talked about because you're absolutely right about the all or nothing, especially somebody like me. I am, have a very addictive personality, no matter, I mean, I, and it didn't, like right now I'm addicted to silly putty. So you guys can't see this because this is audio only, but you've heard the story of the Lorangutan and me getting silly, silly putty stuck in my hair. Um, anyway, so that could get me off on a whole tangent, uh. <laughs> but with my addictive personality, it's been ingrained in my brain. You know, my biological 
paternal side of the family that I, I didn't really know very well, but addiction was rampant or is rampant in that side of the family. And so that's what I've always been told is, well, you don't need to be doing that at all. It needs to be, you know, all or nothing. And yeah. that is just, it's, it's simply not true. I don't feel the need, you know, for a drink anymore. I, I feel like 75 days ago, I was like, oh, on day 76, I'm having a down the rabbit hole at yeah. dinner. It's actually a crappy drink, but it has a fun name. So uh, <laughs> it tastes awful, but it, so I never drink it, but it's fun to order. Can I get right? it down the rabbit hole? Um, yes. How many people do that? <laughs> yeah. I mean, yeah. like I just said and look at it, but it's a really fun name. So it's 75 days ago. I was like, oh yeah, absolutely. I'm going to want to drink. I don't anymore, but it's that balance part that is the struggle. And I think for people like me that slowly got into those bad habits, mm-hmm. when I snapped out of that bad habit, my like addiction changed to making up for the things that I did to the, you know, the people that are around me. So I, this is what you're doing is something that is not talked about. I don't know. I'm sure it is by somebody, but I've never heard it. And I talked to a lot of people because it's my favorite hobby is my husband tells people is talking. So <laughs> I think it's great that you're doing this. How are you getting this in front of people? Like, how are you spreading the word and the awareness? Yeah. Great question. Um, so I've been working with is some coaches, um, to, to really understand the online world a little bit better and to be able to figure out how to be able to bring this to the masses, because I've worked in my local area for 12 years. Everyone around here knows angel does, you know, mindful moderation stuff. And, and, uh, and that's great, but this is not just a South central Minnesota, you know, issue. Although this is a place where, there's no shortage of business here because the commitment to drinking in this area is profound, but we also have this across the country where people, you know, are, are struggling with this. And I wanted to, to sort of expand out and be able to reach more people and to, um, and to hopefully start to have that impact that starts to encourage or inspire the conversations because that's the, that's the beginning, right? The genesis of all change, right? Is awareness, but how do we begin to aware, to, to get to awareness uh, before we can acknowledge something? And unfortunately, most of us won't begin to acknowledge something until we feel like it's safe enough to do so. And so when you're thinking about, or when I was thinking about, you know, how, you know, how am I going to do this? I knew I needed to get some coaches that could, could help me with this, you know, going a, a bigger on a bigger scale. So actually I have a challenge coming up here, um, June 12th through the 16th. That's a five day drink less express challenge. My primary way of getting the word out right now is through that social media through, you know, I have like a TikTok and Instagram and all that, but I'm also using like Facebook to help promote out this challenge where I'm going to go live every day and talk about, you know, mindful moderation and helping people to kind of clarify what is the real problem here, get really clear on why it is that they're looking to make some changes or why it is that they've been, you know, they're, they're, they clicked on my ad or that they felt something was needed. And when they saw my ad, they were inspired to click onto it. And then I have this six step reset that I call and, and, uh, and it's based around the word change, right? And it is just about how do we clarify the problem? How do we hold space for our discomfort when we're making changes? What is the best way to address our patterns and motivations and neutralize triggers and gain um, some traction in setting new goals and meeting those goals around changing our behaviors? And then finally, just 
embodying what it means to be a mindful drinker, right? So it's kind of like my little six-step reset that I have created an entire program around. And my goal is to help people come in and to, to establish for themselves what and what is important to them and why, and then to be that source of structure, support, and accountability that most people just need that to get started, to get the foothold that they need on their new habits. They just oftentimes need a little extra support and structure and accountability to, to get that momentum started, right? And, and my goal with that is to see people be able to essentially take the reins and really embody what it means to have this relationship dynamic to alcohol that either says at the end of going through a program or at the end of going through the challenge that they have the ability to sit and say, I've decided that intentional abstinence is my best course, or that with some continual mindfulness, I can engage in an occasional drink, but that I live in congruence with myself around what my belief is that my relationship is. So if I think to myself, this is this relationship with alcohol is a fringe thing, right? I don't need it. It's just this extra thing in my life. Then my actions are in full support of that, right? Because whenever we are not in agreement in, with ourselves around what we think something is and what we're actually doing, we're engaging in an act of self-betrayal that leads us back down the rabbit hole, right, of increasing our risk of misuse, abuse, or other, you know, more, more dangerous relationship dynamics with alcohol. So, so this is kind of the way that I'm getting out there is, you know, having these conversations. And so I'm really thankful that, you know, individuals such as yourself are saying, yeah, let's talk about this. And also the idea that as I go out here, I really want to, with this drink less express challenge to get people that can say some of them will be able to go through the challenge and say, all right, I got it. Thank you. You know, your tips, your tools, your strategies, they worked great. I can put them to practice early. Other people may go through that challenge and say, wow, I really realized that it's going to take a little bit more work. And, and I'm really thankful that there's somebody out here that can help me move through that process. So I don't have to be stuck where I'm at. So that's kind of the way that I'm, that I'm tackling it. And I'm hoping that, well, well I shouldn't say hoping I've actually been quite surprised that the response to the challenge so far has been overwhelming. And that just is a, you know, reaffirming to me that I am meeting a need. I am, I am coming in there and, and speaking to the hearts of people. And that is, I think one of the most important aspects of. Yeah. You're exactly where you need to be. And sometimes it, it feels good to have that reminder. I, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I just, I don't know, validation, affirmation or something. Cause it, I, it's gotta be hard you know, to put yourself out there and talk about these things. I've got to find this challenge just so I can share it. it. You said it's on Facebook, right? Yep, it is. It's called the Drink Less Express Challenge. I've noticed that I'm not seeing all the things that I want to see on Facebook lately. So I'm, I, I'm, I'm like, I have like, I don't know, 1800 friends. And I think I see the same like eight people. So I'm working on it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so I absolutely, I, I think that that's a great way just, you know, getting out and being omnipresent talking, getting on podcasts is great. And I can totally set you up with some other podcasters too. (laughs) So, (laughs) I mean, the podcasting and, you know, putting it all over all the socials, which I'm not great at. I really got to get better at TikTok and Instagram. I have them, but I never use them. Um, And I know they're becoming more and more popular. 
my teenager is about to have sh- shoulder surgery and not be able to do anything for a couple of weeks. So maybe I'll have her just hand her my phone and be like, here, make this happen. Yes. Make me famous on the TikTok. <laughs> yes. I'm accessing my, my 17 year old stepson to do just that. Um, he is amazing at editing and doing all that stuff. And, and as I've discovered that I'm like, oh, wait, because I'm not. <laughs> so I the, the posts that I make are me speaking from beginning to end, no cuts, no edits, no nothing, because I don't know how to do that. So I was just getting really good at speaking all the way through. So a hundred takes later, we get to, we get something to post, but it would be great to be able to be more efficient in my uh, timing on that. But um, yeah, it's, it's crazy. Kids, he can just get in there and do things that I'm like, Mm -hmm. they're like born knowing how to do it now. It's funny you say (laughs) that about the hundred takes because my, um, I shared my first, like my teaser for my podcast. I shared it this morning from a year ago. It took me 38 takes before and now it's like I just do it you know whatever and I just I was I was actually just in Minnesota last week oh my gosh it was just last week it feels like it's been like months ago um recording my audiobook in Jeremy's studio it's so funny because I was trying so hard to get through everything in one take that I was holding my breath and I was like and he's like breathe (laughs) (laughs) and he knows me very well and so and of course with you know his wife's profession he's very like can like snap me out of things and it was so funny because at one point he told me to stop and I was like I could have kept going he's like yeah I'm in what did he say I'm interrupting your thought pattern or whatever and I'm like I don't really know what that means but it helped because then I was I was anticipating when he was going to say to take a breathing break (laughs) (laughs) you just couldn't get there on your own that's just what you just said there is really a good analogy to to think about what it what it means to work with someone around reshaping your relationship to alcohol. A lot of times, what it requires of you is to get someone with you through that journey that can thought stop and redirect, right? Because it's Absolutely. not so much that we don't know something's off or that we need to do something different or we need to take a pause or we need to step back. It's just that our habit loops are really powerful loops. And unless and until we have somebody that is kind of walking through, you know, that process with you, it's really hard sometimes to get that thought stop activated. But once you do, it can have really amazing benefits to you and help you get that redirect and get back on course and keep walking in the direction of the goals that you have for yourself um, around change behaviors. So I, I love that's actually a pretty, pretty strong analogy there. I love it. Yeah. And you know, one thing that I, and this is totally off topic, but that's just what I do. Um, one thing that I think is important, especially in what you're doing is that, so in, in my case, my husband and I got into that bad habit together. We also got out of that bad habit together, which is a blessing because a lot of times it doesn't end that way. A lot of times it could end in, you know, yes, bad. And I think kind of about what you said about, you know, the people around you and having people that can do that pattern interrupt. Now my wheels are turning and I'm trying to, I'm like, how can you market this to couples? Because I think in our experience, it's probably even more important for couples that both that get into that habit together and don't necessarily realize, I mean, we knew it, but at the same time, it's like, oh, it's not that bad because it happens slowly. So fine. You know, I don't even remember the time that we had like, you know, one drink a week. I mean, I do now because we don't even do that anymore. But at the time it was just, that's just what we did. And so, I mean, I think it's important for maybe not even couples, maybe it's like roommates or a friend that you have over every night after work for drinks or something like that. But you don't completely have to change the people around you, you know, like cut everybody out of your life necessarily. Sometimes you have to, and 
I've had to do that myself, but, you know, joining a coaching program like yours or a, a program together. I mean, if the, when we were in that space, it would have made life a lot easier for us if we would have known something like this was out there. So my wheels are turning, so I'm not like speaking in coherent sentences, but I think you know what I'm saying. <laughs> I do. And you know, what's funny as, as you were just describing that, I was thinking to myself, that's a whole another level there, right? Because you are so right. I just was doing my, um, my alcohol and drug education class last night and having this conversation about the impact of our social world on our relationship to alcohol. And Mm -hmm. a lot of times that fear of having things change or having, um, having to come to terms with the fact that a relationship dynamic has you know, not been healthy for you or isn't going to be healthy for you if you made changes can keep people stuck. And so what might transpire when one person decides that they need to make changes is you're absolutely right. Sometimes the other half of that, you know, relationship that you're in or the person you're in relationship to, they're like, no, I don't, I don't feel like I need to make changes. And Mm -hmm. that, that starts to create even more of a divide that can lead to the very outcomes that the whole idea of making changes is trying to, to avoid. Right. So it's funny that you were saying that because it might have been the back of my head. I was like, Hmm, that's another whole conversation piece that could be incredibly valuable. It goes back to the all or nothing you said, because so many times, and I don't know about yours, but in my circle, I hear if people, you know, don't support you or whatever, cut them out of your life. And it's that all or nothing, like cut them out. And you, I, I mean, I don't see as much anymore because I've completely changed the people that I surround myself with. But at one point it was, well, if they, if they don't support you, then get a divorce. I'm like, whoa, that is like incredibly extreme. I think yeah. yes. <laughs> and, and no matter what it is, whether it's, you know, you want to cut out alcohol, you want to change your career, whatever, it, you know, whatever it is, but it's that all or nothing mentality that you brought up earlier about the drinking. And I don't think it needs to be that way, but to take this a little bit of a different direction. I, and I think my husband when he listens to this, he may agree or disagree. I don't know, but I think he'll agree with me that part of it was the fear of bringing it up to the other. Cause we never really talked about it until it was time to do it. Mm-hmm. We never talked about it. Cause it's like, is he going to think I'm calling him an alcoholic if, or is she or yes. you know, whatever. So the awareness that you're bringing to this, I think is it, it's ab- absolutely huge. Cause I know for a fact, we are not the only people out there in a very similar situation to ours. Mm-hmm. I mean, you're so right. You're so right. And, you know, if I may, I think fear is the driver of so much of this. And absolutely, that is the goal here is can we just start talking about this because, you know, the, the, the fear, once you talk about it, once it's out there, all of a sudden you realize you have more in common and you are, you know, you can, you can team up against yes. the actual opponent in the situation, which is, the alcohol and the implications, you know, that growing relationship has, because what people don't realize is I do a football analogy sometimes where I'm describing to people that come through my program about how I I don't, I'm not in the business of telling people not to drink, right? I I'm in the business of having people take an honest look at their drinking and, and explore the degree to which their relationship with alcohol is putting other areas of their life at risk and to make a decision to do something about that, right? But one of the mistakes that I think my clients are making unknown, unbeknownst to them is that they perceive that, you know, if you imagine them as, as the quarterback of the team and then, you know, the offensive line that protects the quarterback, 
they perceive that alcohol is on the offensive line with them as, as though it's one of the protective mechanisms in their life. And they don't understand that the real protective mechanisms in your life are your the, your relationships and the quality of those relationships, right? Your financial security and opportunities, your sense of self, emotional, mental, physical, spiritual health, all of those things. Those things are actually what are represented on your lineup and serve as protection for the quarterback, right? The, the mistake is that the alcohol is represented on, on your lineup when in reality, that is the defense. That's the opposing team that you're playing against. So you can go out and play the game. Meaning if you want to go out and have drinks and you want to, you want to entertain that, but you have to understand that that opponent has an objective just as much as you do. And if you can set the dynamic into understanding, like it's not on your team, it's mm-hmm. the, it's the opponent you're playing so that you can have a healthy perspective about it. Right. Because any good, good, you know, football team is going to study their opponent and understand the objective of the opponent and the strategy of the opponent. What we know about mind-altering substances is they're going to do what they're intended to do, right? And just because we're not aware doesn't mean that it's not going to continue advancing. And as a matter of fact, it's just looking for the for the weak link in your lineup. Mm-hmm. And where it finds it, it that's how it gets in and and it and it achieves its own objective. And so yeah. when people say, but alcohol isn't, you know, it's it's like it's not it's not a thing. It's not I'm like, Yes, but you have to understand it in that everything you are in, that you involve yourself in, you are in relationship to it. So you yes. have to give it some sort of an identity of its own so that you can see it from the perspective that it's really coming at you with instead of just saying, well, it's it's this harmless thing. Yes, I understand you have to host it in your mind and in your body and on the table, it doesn't do anything. But when it crosses your lips, it does. But you still have to understand the power of influence that that substance has over the thoughts you think, the actions you choose, the course you, you know, that you navigate. And so this is one of the ways that I try to help my clients start to separate themselves from the relationship with alcohol that they're not even aware that they're in and see it for what it is. And that you had, you lost me for a while there because I'm so not a sports person. And I'm like, and you follow me on Facebook. So, you know, my whole thing is my ADHD and I'm like, oh. but you tied it back at the end and I'm like oh now I get it yes okay sports and I'm like my brain just wonders but (laughs) I I, I, love that analogy I at the end at the end you tied it all together and I'm like oh that makes total sense but I'm like obviously I don't know um (laughs) I know that that it's a really good point and I think that that goes and you said it but that goes for a lot of things in our life not just our relationship with alcohol Mm -hmm. it can be you know especially for somebody like me that cannot do anything halfway that gets like all in addicted to anything. We have to realize the effect that that's having on us. So that's, I mean, that was while it lost me for a second because sports, but that was a very profound analogy. And I I think I'm like the one out of, you know, the 1% that doesn't watch sports in the U S (laughs) sorry. Do you want to know something? I don't either. And I really don't know where the analogy came from. It just popped into my head because I That's so funny. operate under an al- analogies. The only thing I know about football is my my son's experience with it in the third, fourth, and fifth grade. That's it. <laughs> so my my husband, when he did trainings at our insurance agency for the team, every once in a while he would throw in a sports analogy that he like read about, and everybody just looked at him like he was crazy. Especially when he got him right, because we're not. I mean, he's not a sports person either. That was right. by design. Right, right, right. <laughs> when I was looking for my friends, I dated a bunch of guys that were like so into sports and I'm like, nope, I will not marry a man that is that involved. So anyway, that's super funny because 
people would look at him like, oh, you actually got that right. That's impressive. <laughs> <laughs> That's beautiful. I love it. I love it. But so I think, you know, I've said this already, but I'm going to say it again. I think the importance of you getting this out there is, I mean, I know you know how important it is, but I I mean, I want to encourage everybody that's listening, not only share this episode of the podcast, because obviously I want you to do that because why we're here, right? But, you know, find Angel on social media, if you know how to use the TikTok or the Instagram or whatever, or Facebook and share this message, because this is something that could literally be life-changing in our situation it didn't destroy our family and our marriage it had i mean it has repercussions that we're still dealing with like this morning but i think there's a lot of people out there that have situations very similar to ours that end in divorce or end in ruining relationships with their kids but it it could be avoided I, i never do this in the middle of an episode or well 10 minutes for the end of an episode but i encourage you guys share this because this is something that is very close to me. And the funny thing is I didn't know any of this when we booked this call because we booked this call a while ago and then I had to reschedule and then life got in the way and a mutual friend introduced us to do this. So I, I encourage you guys share this message because you have, you have no idea. Maybe it, maybe this is something you need. Maybe you know somebody, maybe you don't know anybody, but there's somebody on your, you know, social media list, you know, that sees your post that, that does need to hear this because that all or nothing thing that we that is in society and i i tried to write down your quote earlier but i'm gonna have to re-watch this and write it down but the all or nothing mentality keeps a lot of people from making positive changes in their lives whether it be alcohol drugs relationships with people around them mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. so yeah. i this is i i will get off my soapbox but i this is truly an impactful message that i want everybody to share and like i said i don't think i've ever done this on an episode but it's something that is huge to me because I know that everything that you've said, I can absolutely relate to and have been through. Mm-hmm. So. I appreciate you so much for sharing your truth about that because that is so important to this to this endeavor is uh, you know where we can come together and create a safe space enough for everybody to just be able to acknowledge some things that that in some areas of their life that need to be looked at or to be explored you know, we can, we do that all the time. Like right now with mental health and all of that, you're starting to see this dialogue come through and people are talking about ADD. They're talking about anxiety and, and stress disorders and, and, you know, all of these different things. And I love that this is such an important move that, that we are making in the right direction, but I still find that this taboo thing is when you don't, don't touch my drink, don't touch my way of coping and escaping in these moments of my life where things get to be overwhelming or too much. Right. And one of the things that, you know, I, I, I think is so important to realize is nobody has a problem giving up hangovers and, you know, having less money in their checking account because they're partying at the bars or, you know, the, the low energy mornings and all of that, that is not the problem that people have, you know, you're separating themselves from. It is Mm -hmm. the fact that they don't know what else to do to cope with exhaustion. And for me, I understand that misuse and abuse of alcohol is usually, usually rooted in an exhaustion driven coping strategy is what the person is doing. That's what they're doing in order to cope with the exhaustion in their life. And so what I help my clients figure out is what is it that's exhausting? And it's not what people usually think of. When we think of exhausted, we're like falling on the pillow at night. I've had such a busy day. 
Not that. Are you exhausted because you are living a life that's incongruent? Are you exhausted because you are working in a job that does not, you know, make you feel that you can tap into your purpose or your creative needs or any of that area? Are you exhausted because you're in a relationship that is toxic and it's and it's not getting better no matter what you do? There is all kinds of things. Heck, you could even add, are you exhausted because of how you're parenting? Right. Mm -hmm. There are so many levels to what it is that's driving your exhaustion. And at the end of the day, it doesn't matter what's driving it. What usually ends up happening is we as pleasure seeking creatures who were never created to stay in distress or or pain or suffering for an extended period of time. We have to go find something that provides a little bit of relief. And the unfortunate thing is, is not much more competes with mind altering substances than, than other mind altering substances mm-hmm. because they are instant. They're guaranteed They're When we're, when we're talking about alcohol, it's a, it's a socially acceptable thing. I mean, there's just, there's so many things, right. That is contributing to the dynamic that is easy to fall into of misuse or abuse. And you add to that, the fact that people don't feel safe to talk about or explore that because they're fearing that someone's going to take away their primary coping strategy. Yeah. And if they can't find a safe place to explore that, then they will continue to trend in the direction of misuse, abuse, and ultimately for for some addiction before they make any changes, right? Mm -hmm. I always think about the fact that not everyone who abuses alcohol will become an alcoholic, but everyone who's become an alcoholic first abused alcohol. Oh, I'm gonna have to rewatch that and write that down. That's profound. That's so true. And so how much better if we can have a conversation upstream? What what you've got my, I mean, I'm like, I've got my notebook. You saw this in the beginning and there was nothing on it. And that's what it looks like now. And that's only one page of it. But something you just said just triggered something. I didn't realize what was exhausting me until I wasn't relying on the alcohol anymore. And that is about the time. It's also, it's also a very similar time that I started, you know, deep diving into therapy and neuro-linguistic programming and all those things. But I didn't realize that the career that I just thought was, I I don't know, in in my head, it was energizing me and it's what I was meant to do. And it's what was causing that exhaustion, the mental and emotional exhaustion. It's just like, oh, it was so draining. And so when you're taught, when you were talking about that, I can absolutely relate, but I did not know it at the time. I didn't realize that that, and of course there's other things in there too, but Yes. It's just so important for people to acknowledge and address this. I I really hope that more and more people start talking about it because you're absolutely right. And I keep going back to the all or nothing thing, but that's what keeps a lot of people from making changes in their lives, whether it be, I mean, you know, there's people that get completely off social media because of the negativity. You don't have to do that. I don't see any negativity on my social media. Maybe that's why I only see like eight people, but you know, you can manipulate that algorithm. So you don't have to completely get off Facebook to not deal with the political or, you know, news or whatever. So, yeah, I feel like I can do like a whole episode with you on the all or nothing mentality of the world. Yes, we are. I know that we are running close to time and I think we could probably go on forever and ever. But, you know, is there anything that you want to you want to leave people with um, any, you know, a final thought, something we didn't touch on yet? You know, I think it's just um it's a worthwhile conversation, right? Because like I said, it's, yes, we're, we're talking about um, changing your relationship with alcohol, or at least exploring, you know, the ways in which it's creating risk for you or putting the things that you believe 
bring purpose, meaning, and value to your life at risk. But it really is about finding balance in your life because it is counterintuitive for us to act against our own best interest when we are living in agreement and in alignment with ourselves, with our core self, right? And so oftentimes issues around misuse or abuse of alcohol that have emerged in your life are, it's, it isn't something that you need to be afraid of. It's more of a, a, a light that's going on to grab your attention, to say, what is, what is it that's leading you to, you know, rely on this more or to turn into this more. And the, the idea here for me is let's get excited about putting our energy towards creating a reality that we do not need to escape because that is the ultimate, right? The ultimate when it comes to balanced living. And so part of that is being able to step back from, but not feel like you have to walk away from entirely your relationship with alcohol. If you choose to do that down the road, great, right? You'll never regret the days in this life that you don't drink. You can't always say the same for the days that you do. And so the idea though, is just to give yourself permission to explore and to get curious about it instead of hesitant or resistant to it. And in just that permission to explore with curiosity, there is a mountain of benefit that is waiting for you on the other side that ultimately doesn't really have anything to do with alcohol, but it really has to do with how do I raise the vibration in my life? How do I achieve a world in which I am so excited to be a part of that reality every single day, that there, there is nothing that I seek to take me away from that, from that day-to-day life, life experience. So I don't know that I've ever had a guest like tie everything up with a nice little bow at the end of an episode, but that was like, that was everything I'm writing down quotes. Thank you so much for your time. And I, I'm going to put all your social links, but what, which one is the best way for people to find you? Yeah, I was just thinking about that. I would say go to Instagram um, because I have my link tree in there. You can find me. I have some a little bit of stuff going on on YouTube and stuff like that too. But Mindful Moderation with Angel is my handle and it is the best place to start seeing um, some tips, tools, strategies that I am on there sharing with people about kind of doing this journey into your relationship with alcohol. And also it's where you can find me to join my five-day challenge. It's where you can book a call if you feel like you want to connect with me in a little bit more of a a intimate way, a personal way, and talk about the ways that I could support you in, in making changes if that's something that you feel you could benefit from. Thank you so much. If you will hang on for one second after we hit record, I just want to take a screenshot. Perfect. Um, but so thank you for being on. And I, I hope this helped people the way that it helped me. Cause I'm like, I'm understanding what I went through, even though I've already gone through it. Like, wow. Yes. Okay. It all makes so much sense now. Love um, it. Thank you. But I appreciate you. And thank you guys for listening. I appreciate y'all too. Make sure that you share angels, uh, angels mission on all your socials and let's, let's spread the word. And make sure that you like, follow, subscribe, and share and all that jazz. And I will see you guys next week. Thank you so much. And that brings us to an end of another empowering episode of All About the Benefits. We hope you've been inspired to dig deep and unleash your inner superpowers. Remember, the journey to discovering your true potential is ongoing. Embrace your strengths, celebrate your uniqueness, and continue to strive for personal growth. 
We are grateful to have you as part of our community, and we invite you to stay connected with us on social media. Share your own stories of empowerment and keep the conversation going. Thank you for joining us on this transformative adventure. Together, let's continue to unlock our superpowers and create a world where everyone can thrive. Until next time, keep shining bright and remember, you are capable of amazing things. Stay empowered.